up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 122. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? I caught you. That's right. You, listener, my student, get back to work. What are you doing listening to my podcast? You have exam resubmissions to do. You have quiz resubmissions to do. Did you even finish your formal lab report? Just go finish the third law notes or something. I cannot believe the nerve of my students. They come into class and they're like, hey, do you know anything about this Draft Shaft podcast? What are you doing stalking me on the internet? You have homework to do. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry to scare the listeners that, that are not my students. You're fine. You have no homework to do. But my, my pesky <laughs> students sniping me on the internet, just get back to work. Uh, anyway, th- that was a good scare maybe for the rest of the listeners, which is kind of on theme for today's episode. Yeah. I mean, Hey, adequate timing from your students as well. I'll say if <laughs> any fear to you, uh, but that's right. This week we are doing something a little bit different. We haven't done a show like this, I think ever. And, uh, we're going to have some fun here. We're going to talk about, well, October stuff, <laughs> sum it up. Uh, we'll get into more of that in a bit, but before we do, of course, our usual housekeeping. If you're not already in the Discord, check it out. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. This is the best place to go to chat with us, post your trophy decks, get to brag a bit about the awesome drafting you're doing, especially if you're Ben, and uh, <laughs> we can discuss picks and uh, chat about life and other things. It, it's a great, great community and a really awesome place to be. So check out the Discord if you're not already there. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Again, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week over there. Things, uh, perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Chaff Hero signed by us and sent to your door. And again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. All right, on to our crack draft type thing. Ben's got some special stuff for us. What do you got? Okay, so I'll be honest. My original plan for this week was to get an OG pack of Innistrad and rip a lily live on the show. Uh, I have cracked a lily from an OG pack of Innistrad before. It was part of a chaos draft. It was pack one, pick one. It was sick. Uh, (laughs) People obviously didn't believe me, but I showed them the pack and they're like, wow. Uh, Sadly, the next best thing I could get was packs of pretty much every other Innistrad set. So here I've got a Midnight Hunt set booster, a Crimson Vow set booster. And then we, we're going to go back a few years. I have Shadows Over Innistrad uh, and Eldritch Moon, just regular booster packs. That was before all the set and draft booster nonsense. Uh, I couldn't find anything older than that. And I don't think anyone wants to crack Avacyn Restored anyway. So whatever. Uh, let's start with Midnight Hunt. Listen to this, uh, this nice cracking noise. It's a nice spooky ASMR. <laughs> Hopefully that showed up uh, nice yeah, on the way for him. It actually did for once. It used to not when we had our old recording set up. <laughs> so just kind of flipping through this pack, we've got a Moonrager Slash. I'm not going to read everything. Uh, I like that bolt more than most people. This is a set booster, so it's not quite a, a normal pack one. Pick one. Right of Oblivion, really solid removal. Diagraph Rebirth, Dawnheart Warden's a nice uh, alt art. That's nice. Ooh, we got an Adeline. I love Adeline. Uh, what, well, honestly, one of my favorite cards in the entire set and one of my favorite things to uh, pack one, pick one. So... Easy slamming the Adeline. It was mostly junk in that pack, to be honest. Uh, I'm not taking Ritual Guardian or Gavany Trapper over Adeline. Yeah, Adeline's sweet. Had some really solid decks with her. Yeah, and still a major player in Standard, too. Um, I, I've actually thought about making a... I've always wanted to make a mono-white commander deck, and I've looked at Adeline for, like, a tokens build, so maybe this is a sign. Although it's not an alt-art one. I don't know. I'll think about it. What is that? There's a there's a list card in this pack. Uh, by the way, there was a foil. It was locked in the cemetery. Kind of funny, but uh, Shivan Harvest. This is a pretty spooky card. Maybe we, I recommend looking up the art for this one. Maybe we could put it on the screen, but Shivan Harvest. This is some gnarly art. Uh, it's one in a red and it's an enchantment. And I have no idea what set this is from. Someone, uh, I don't know, someone with a senior discount. Let me know. <laughs> Let me know what's going Jeez. on with this. Um, the enchantment. Fired. It says one in a red, sacrifice a creature, destroy target non-basic land. Interesting, hmm. but uh, not taken over Adeline. Next up, Crimson Vow set booster. I don't know. Maybe I could get like an Olivia or something. Sure. That'd be nice. So flipping through, eh, nothing too interesting yet. A Vile Spawn Spider. That one's going straight to the cube. Happy to open one of those. Cobbled Lancer. I think that's in there too. Kindly Ancestor. Ooh, wow. I'm just on the uh, the white good card plan. I opened a Cemetery Protector. I guess I'll put that right into the uh, Adeline Commander deck. And then a Foil Cruel Witness. So, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm 50-50 on Mythics. So... Yeah, and I go. guess also 
100% for like decently playable cards. So uh, I'll take it. I, I like the uh, the cemetery protector. You could flash that in and really prank people. Yeah, that was a good uh, a good cycle of cards there. I like that cycle. Yeah. All right. Now, Shadows Over Innistrad. Maybe less of our listeners are familiar with this one, but this was the second time we went to Innistrad. Uh, and this is when things were starting to get a little spookier on Innistrad. People didn't really know it was up, but something was wrong. The werewolves were mutating. Uh, we got an inspiring captain here. That was a solid one. Uh, some junk, a might beyond reason. That was occasionally a good combat trick. Dual shot, solid. One red, deal two to up to two creatures. Eh, none of this stuff is super great. To be honest, the commons are all junk. There was some real bad stuff in there. Seagraft, Scob, uh, Rancid, Rats. Skulk was a mechanic that I forgot about. Uh, just honestly nothing very good in there. Uncommons, we have Broken Concentration. That was good. That was one blue-blue instant counter-target spell. Or you could Madness it for th- uh, three and a blue. So Madness was the theme here. Mihiri's Machinations, that was a fun little build around. One of the white enchantment. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, a creature you control gained indestructible, and you can pay one in red to ping a blocking creature. Um, 11 Whispers, it was a turn against, and they, uh, a Drown Yard Temple. This probably sees Commander play, right? It's, uh, oh, yeah. it, it's a colorless land. Uh, it taps to add generic mana to your mana pool, and you can pay three to return it from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. And I guess it goes in, like, uh, Gitrog monster decks, and that's kind of it. But, yeah, you know, pack. it's not the Archangel Avacyn I was hoping for to continue the uh, solid white bomb train. What is the pick? Uh, just a Drown Yard Temple. Because that's an actual draft. Like, we can actually draft that pack. What is it, What is the pick? That's true. Um, there was a... Uh, oh, there's also, we should mention, there's a flip card in every one of these, and it was a convicted killer, just a three mana 2-2 two, two that flips into a 4-4. Four, four. Just very generic. Um, honestly, I like the machinations. I like uh, red-white beats. There weren't many solid creatures. There was a quilled wolf. It's one in a green 2-2. Two, two. You could pay Apple's 6 okay. to give it plus 4, plus 4. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but to be honest, nothing else really ex- exciting here. Uh, the inspiring captain is probably the best creature in the pack. And that's, yeah, that's just bad. Yeah. So I, I think I'd go with the machinations here. Okay. All right. Now we got Eldritch Moon. So this is when things really took a turn for the worse, when Gothic horror turned into Eldritch horror, uh, when, you know, Liliana and uh, company had to come rise against Emrakul and the, the rising Eldrazi monstrosities. So we've got some better stuff already here. We've got a, a Brazen Wolves. This is a nice little beater. It was two and a red, two, three. When it attacks, it gets plus two, plus oh. Uh, there's a Terrarian. Fun card. Faithbearer Paladin. This is a, a pretty big top end. Four and a white for a three, four lifelink, although it doesn't seem great by today's standards. Uh, honestly, pretty unexciting. Geist of the Lonely Vigil was one of the uncommons here. One of the white, two, three, Defender flying. Uh, but it could attack as if it didn't have Defender, as long as there were four more card types in your graveyard. That was typed Delirium. Oh, we got a Lashweed Lurker. This is one of the Emerge Eldrazi. Emerge is a neat mechanic, kind of yeah. like Sacrifice and also trying to get big things. Spreading Flames, six mana, or seven mana, deal six, and uh, some some junk. Ooh, actually, that, not, not quite. So um, there's two rares in this pack. The first one is Coax from the Blind Eternities. Mm. This is junk. At least I would assume so, unless it's like spiked for some reason. Two and a blue sorcery. You can choose an Eldrazi you own from outside the game or in exile. Reveal it and put it into your hand. Just doesn't really do anything. It's like a flavor win. That's it. Yeah. um, Through the breach, this is not. (laughs) Yeah. No, not at all. There's a Lone Rider as our flip card. One of the white one one first strike lifelink. I love this card. Yeah. Lone Rider is a windmill slam. I'd take that any day. Oh, wait till you hear the next card. Uh, by the way, the windmill, uh, the uh, the Lone Rider, at the beginning of your end step, if you'd gained three or more life, you transformed it, and it flipped into a 4-4 first strike trample lifelink with some of the most horrific art in the set. The rider and horse meld into one. Well, not meld, that's a different mechanic. They transform into one. Uh, this this card was sick, but I'm not taking it over Docent of Perfection. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is a this is a Zach card. Uh, although I actually do have a whole deck built around this. Um We'll talk about it in a bit. Docent of Perfection is three blue blue for a 5-4 insect horror at rare. It has flying, and it has whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a 1-1 blue human wizard creature token onto the battlefield. And then if you control three or more wizards, you flip it. So this is a 5-4 flyer for five. And then whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you get a 1-1. Oh, yeah. That's obviously nuts. Talk about your windmill slam. That's the one I'm taking for sure. I'm a big Lone, lone Rider fan. I did like it in the set, and it, it performed well, but Docent is, is where I want to be. Well, don't forget that it flips into final iteration on the back, which is a 6-5 flying Eldrazi insect. It gives your wizards you control 2-1 in flying. And remember, to flip it, you had to have three wizards. So that means you just got nine flying power when you flip it. 
because uh, now all of your your one ones are three twos, and then whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you make another one one. So um, yeah, it Love makes it. Delver of Secrets. Like th- this yep. is the, the the joke that it t- once it you get it. It's a Delver of Secrets. It's a one one. It flips into three twos, and y'all get it. So um, overall. Not quite as exciting as cracking an Innistrad pack, but honestly, some solid cards out of this. Uh, nice to have another dose in, and maybe I'll do something with some of those uh, uh, some of those Adelines and, and uh, protectors. There you go. All right, on to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So, Ben, what's up? Sure thing. I'm going to start with my Tibble. Uh, just really slammed with schoolwork as my students, if you're still listening. As they know, um, got a lot of grading to do. Just had some exams, some quizzes, some labs, uh, just all catching up. And then combine that with the fact that lesson planning literally never ends. Uh, There's just, you know, a lot to do. I may end up taking some time off this weekend from, well, I say time off, but the time that I'd usually spend to like go hang out with people uh, or do something fun to just grade and lesson plan. So, and I've had a bit of a a cold, hopefully uh, all my coughing has been edited out, but <laughs> I'll try to make it hard for Zach to do that so he doesn't have to bother. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I've just been kind of recovering from that. Now, my Teferi this week, it's the best month of the year, and it's in full swing. It's it's late October. Uh, it's spooky season, as we say. And I've been on a bit of a hot streak in, in DMU. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been trying not to flood the trophy channel too much, but... Um, I think I've had like six or seven in the last few days, and at least as of recording. And uh, I'm on track to remain in the top 250 towards the end of the month because I've been hovering between like 50 and 200, uh, occasionally pressing up in the in like the 20s um, for the last like week or so, I guess. So I'm going to hopefully maintain that for the rest of the uh, the month, but I should finish in the top 1200 regardless. Sweet. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I'll start with the Teferi. This has probably been the best October for me in uh, like half a decade. Um, nice. Yeah. For a lot of reasons, but typically, and I think I had talked about this on the show before, but typically October for the last few years has been like weirdly filled with like depression and just kind of just general feels bads. Um, mm. I haven't hit that yet this year, which is great. I know I'm probably jinxing myself now by saying this, but like we're almost done with the month and, and it's weird because in the, in the last four years or so, it's been like October 1st hits. I feel awful. October 31st hits or November 1st hits and I feel back to normal. So it's like a weird, Mm -hmm. like just bounded within the month of October. So we're almost through it. Maybe it'll be November this year. Who knows? But, um, (laughs) well now you're jinxing it. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm just glad that I'm, I'm feeling good. It's been, it's been uh, a pretty good month. And, uh, my Tybalt is that I'm somehow simultaneously both really, really busy and feeling like I'm doing nothing at all. Hmm. And so that's like kind of the worst of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a mix of like work's been busy. I'm moving soon. So I've got to like figure out the logistics of getting all that stuff together. Uh, I've, I've taken on like responsibilities with stuff outside of work as well, like in, in my community and things. So I am very busy. I have a lot going on, but then I also feel like I'm spending a lot of nights just like sitting on the couch watching. So in that way, I feel like I'm not doing anything. That's almost a good balance. You know, Uh, if you're doing all that involvement stuff, then you kind of need that time to chill. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that was it for me. Let's move on to our listener question of the week. This week, our question comes from Ratafia. And the question is, what card would make the best Halloween costume? Ooh, there's some good options here. So there's some funny ones. Like, I mean, for example, a squirrel token or like Emrakul. Oh, come on. Don't go or with I, a squirrel I've even token. Seen... Like Chatterfang exists. <laughs> you got to go big, man. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The biggest squirrel, a menacing three, three, right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But then I was thinking about some of the humans that would make fun costumes. Um, I came up with like Jace and Garrick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Duster Jace (laughs) is one of my favorites. Uh, I think if you go with the shadows over Innistrad Jace with the duster and everything, like that's a, that's a relatively easy costume to put together, I think. But one that mm-hmm. like also would look really awesome if you pull it off right. I was specifically referring to shirtless Jace from uh, Ixalan, <laughs> but you know that's also an option. Um, just thinking of some other ones, Arlen, uh, Pax Hope, you know, just a cool werewolf type thing. And there's infinite vampires to choose from, right? I feel like Soren would be a fun. At this point, we're almost bordering on cosplay instead of just Halloween costumes. But uh, honestly. Any of the main planeswalkers. (laughs) This game has pretty fantastic, like, main planeswalker design. I don't think there are too many misses. Um, There's not a lot of forgettable planeswalkers. Um, I mean, whether you love them or hate them mechanics-wise, they they are, like, all pretty memorable in their own way. Uh, And then I was thinking about a fun one, the Reaper King. Nice scarecrow costume. I'm picturing, like, one of those big, uh, like, oversized ones that you see at, uh, at, like, Comic-Cons. Like someone with like giant stilts and and hands that stretch out and like that, that could be a cool look. 
Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think there are a lot of really cool options. I would also love, and the, the name of the card is escaping me, but pretty much any of the um, oh, what are they called? Any any of the the basically the white humans. And I mean white as in like the magic color identity white <laughs> humans that are uh, are on Innistrad with like the tricorn hats and stuff like those. Oh, all like the Gavany soldiers. Yes. Yes. There's one in particular. There's one card in particular that I can't actually recall the name of. Um, like a search party in, captain and those types. Yeah, I think there was one in Midnight Hunt that I'm unfortunately forgetting of the name of the card. Oh, Brutal Cathar. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. Brutal that, that would be like an amazing, amazing Halloween costume or cosplay or, or you know, whatever. But yeah, like a like a Germanic inspired, uh, like monster hunter type thing. Of course, yeah. Brutal Cathar, as we know, he was the monster the entire time. But, you know, that's that's whatever. But yeah, um, a, a Cathar slash one of those outriders that those would be cool. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let's get into the main topic, which is local game shop of horrors. A, a bit of a riff here. We actually love our local game stores. Uh, Bearded Dragon, if you're listening, love you guys. Uh, it's the spookiest month of the year. So we thought we would share some of our favorite Halloween themed things. I mean, Halloween is a pretty big holiday here in the States. It's probably my favorite. It's up there. It's one of my favorite times of year, just like aesthetics wise. And we're going to talk about that because from food to drinks to media to even magic cards, uh, we've got it all. So this is going to be a mix of hot takes and maybe some like genuine recommendations sprinkled throughout, but there will be some hot takes in here too. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to hear you say that because Halloween for me is like typically a holiday that I forget about, but fall (laughs) and or autumn are like my favorite. It's my favorite season of the year. So all the stuff that goes on around this time of year is, is really awesome for me, but the actual day of Halloween, I just kind of like never really give any thought. Mm. So let's kick it off with our first topic. What is your favorite spooky magic card? Okay. So this took a little bit of research for me. There are, I mean, magic's an old game, right? It's the 30th year of magic and there are a lot of cards. We've been to a lot of very weird planes. But for me, the card that takes the like my favorite spooky card is Abomination of Lanawar. And let me tell you why. I don't mm. know if you've ever like really paid attention to the art on this card, but it's essentially a conglomerated ball of elves that are all <laughs> it's like a writhing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like a writhing mass of elves. But here's the thing. Look at the type line. It's not undead, which means there's a mix of dead and Ooh. living elves in this mass of of flesh, I guess. And it just I'm reading the flavor around. text. It's it's crazy. It just rolls around the the forests of Lanawar, like consuming more and more elves, basically adding to this this mass. Like that's pretty terrifying. That is imagine like going for yeah, a th- nice autumn hike and you just come across this thing <laughs> this in the thing, woods. Like oh, this thing gosh. rolls up on you. Yeah. So the flavor text says, "Run!" screamed its living mouths. "Come!" cried its dead ones. That is messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no thanks. I don't want to go anywhere near that thing. So mine, I've got to go with Alt Art Renin 7. I adore this card. I was very happy to crack one. And I mentioned last week on the show that I, I got that set booster box. I was very happy to crack a an Alt Art Renin 7, which might be either joining a commander deck or joining my pile of Halloween decorations. I actually have some magic cards scattered throughout my apartment right now. I have a uh, like one of the jack-o'-lanterns and I have one of the... Uh, I think it's like crossroads guide or crossroads something it's like the three four artifact creature it's a scarecrow it's, they're both very pumpkiny but i love this alt art one of I, I guess w7 took a took some time off of planes walking around and looking for cool trees to carve a pumpkin I, I guess they wouldn't even have to they could just like magically carve a pumpkin i don't know whatever it is it's a nice looking pumpkin carving yeah the art on that card is fantastic now speaking of which i, I do have to mention that this is a tie um one of my all-time favorite and one of my first favorite magic cards was autumnal gloom this is an older one and i was kind of hoping to crack it in the shadows pack but couldn't get lucky uh this is 200 green enchantment it has uh pay a black to put the top card of your library into your graveyard. And if you look at the art, that represents like the leaves falling from the trees. It's the autumnal gloom. You pay a black, you mill a card, and it's like the leaves are falling. And then if you have delirium, which is four or more card types in your graveyard, you flip it, and it turns into Ancient of the Equinox, which is a 4-4 trample hexproof. And it's clear that this tree, which was maybe once shedding leaves, whatever it was, has now risen back up and is a huge elemental. So it's really sick. I love this design. Super flavorful, super super like evocative of fall. Maybe not spooky uh, like Ren and Seven, but um, definitely like otherworldly, definitely uh, fall themed. Yeah. And then we've got like a runner's up category for all of the different things we're going to be talking about today. And uh, my runner up for spookiest card is Brizella. Uh, what is it? Voice of Nightmares. 
Uh, yeah. Because Ben loves angels, and particularly he loves Bruna, and this, and he also hates Eldrazi. So when Bruna became an Eldrazi, I was like, you know, this is this is brilliant. But in a more in a more real like serious uh, note, like if you ever actually stopped and looked at the art of Brazella, it's yeah up. It gets disgusting. That is <laughs> horrific. Yeah, and like you can see all the wings, and if you look, you can see like the Emrakul tentacles in the background, and like now Brazella has a bunch of tentacles. Oh, I feel so bad. Yeah, for all these like I had some sinew all over the place. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, and all the arms. I had some strong words for Zach in the show notes, but, but uh, <laughs> about about this one, this inclusion. Um, my runner-up, I, I would actually say the Dose of Perfection, because that's part of a cycle uh, that that spanned across several sets. Delver of Secrets was the first one. This is a famous card. I mean, it's a mad scientist who flips himself into an insect. And then there's Aberrant Researcher, who with that card, it picks up the story of the same scientist. And that flips into a 5-4 flying, uh, like a more messed up insect researcher. And then that continues in Docena Perfection, which we just saw, which then flips into making more Delver of Secrets. It's this really, really cool and really self-contained story within three cards and the only mono blue deck i own it's like an intro deck that i let students use um the only creatures in the deck are delvers researchers and docents nice yeah it's a that's a fun i love i mean we've talked about it so many times on the show but i love when when set designers do that and they have like a story in the cards (laughs) that doesn't actually really have anything to do with the actual story Mm -hmm. the the names are escaping me but honestly anything on innistrad is great for this including i think it's like the wishing well card um there's like I think the original one was Wishing Well back from like original Innistrad, where it's like a little girl like throwing a coin into a well. And then later on, I believe Eldritch Moon or Shadows, we see the same girl, now an Eldrazi monstrosity, like reaching down into the well to grab something. I think it's like her lost teddy bear. And these are from like sets that are like years, years, years apart. apart. Yeah. 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 So catching that kind of thing is just sick. Yeah. Yeah. And the curses, you know, there's the curse guy who's mm. all over a bunch of different, uh, different sets. So, yeah. Uh, just some other random shout outs. We can't not mention Triskai Decaphobia here. Uh, Meat Hook Massacre is another one in, in recent memory that was super evocative. I mean, when that hits the battlefield, it is a literal massacre. Uh, Accursed Witch. I always loved the art on this one, especially on the back where, uh, <laughs> Whoever defeats the Accursed Witch, well, bad news, buddy, you're cursed now. Uh, And uh, Essence of the Wild, which reminds me of a favorite show of mine, Over the Garden Wall. And last but not least, uh, Gold Knight Castigator, because I just love a messed up angel. Not in the necessarily a drowsified way. Uh, I liked the madness that overtook the angels. I thought that was a really cool story beat in in the story where... um, Emrakul's influence was beginning to drive the angels nuts and they were starting to rain down angel fire and, uh, well, swords on the humans. I thought that was really interesting and unique and Gold Knight Castigator captures that card perfectly. Also, it's a four mana, four six flying haste. No, four nine, four nine flying haste. Just what a cool card. Yeah, I also really appreciated in particular with the, with you know, riffing off the angels thing with that set. Like it, for for the listener, if you're not aware, the way that that angels on Innistrad work is kind of that they are they belong to like clans, I guess, of the not the angels themselves, but people who worship the angels. They they worship like sets of angels that go up to the four sisters, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Lisa, which wasn't around for a long time, uh, Sigarda, Bruna, Gisela, and then I guess Avison. So five. yeah, um, and they Eldrazified like some of the angels, but I really appreciated that Avison's group of angels was like separate from that. Like they went mad instead of getting Eldrazified, if I recall mm. correctly. There were a whole bunch of different ways that they got influenced. I always thought it was cool that Sigarda's never fell. Yeah, um, I think hers were like the closest to the humans, and that's why. And uh, as we now know, Lisa was like in some kind of demonic. Uh, yeah, she was trapped. She was, she was like cast out. She, she was in exile, right? Yeah. So uh, she was phased out even. So those are a lot of our favorite spooky cards. But what are our favorite spooky sets? Now, I don't think either of us had a lot of, you know, original Innistrad experience. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like this question is, or not really question, but this topic is one that's like, unfortunately, doesn't have a whole lot of contenders in it because horror or spookiness or whatever isn't really a topic that, you know, you know, magic magic set design and storytelling and everything kind of does if well, they do a fantastic job of, of segregating certain feelings or vibes to a particular plane. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like you have something like, <laughs> like Eldraine is the fairy tale plane. Theros is yeah. the, uh, Greek God plane. Um, you get all that kind of stuff. Innistrad is the horror plane. And so I think it's, 
you're, you're looking at like a, a maybe six or seven sets that all take place on Innistrad and those probably mm-hmm. are the top contentions for m- favorite spooky plane. I do like some of the like, I guess, body horror stuff that Dominaria brings to the table. That's true. In terms of spookiness, like the Phyrexians are pretty terrifying, um, even though I love them. And, uh, you know, so there's that too, but neither of us really had much scars of Mirrodin, you know, new Phyrexia kind of uh, experience either. I did start playing like just around new Phyrexia, but um, was a little kid then. So I didn't really know what I was getting into. So for me, my favorite spooky set is, is shadows ever in I really, really, really loved the whole puzzle solving aspect of that set that they did as mm. they released the like spoiler cards, because that was the first time like, or at least that was the last time that I remember being like really excited about a set releasing. It felt like they had a really, um, strategic and planned way to release the set and spoil the set. It got all the players involved in terms of like, wait, is Emmy back? Like, what's going on? How are we dealing with this? And it let the players kind of figure out the puzzle as the characters in the story were also doing it kind of simultaneously. I don't know. I just thought that was executed so, so real, so perfectly. Yeah. So for context, they, in, in Shadows Over Innistrad, there were hints that Emrakul and the Eldrazi were coming back, but it was never explicitly said. Um, in Eldritch Moon, we found out that right. Emrakul was back, but it turned out that there were hints that people didn't even catch there was like a, a horse that had like an extra leg. There were people with like extra fingers. It was just like little things hidden in the arts here and there. Thraven Inspector is inspecting what looks like some like Eldrazi lattice work. But, you know, it's hard to say. It could just be weird. I don't know. Werewolf poop or something like who knows what's going on there. But uh, all that teasing combined with the, the, the biggest part, which was that on certain clue tokens, uh, you could piece together that it said, remember, they came as three. Of course, in the previous set, they had just defeated the two other Eldrazi Titans. Uh, and this is a nice little nod that, hey, the big bad is still out there. Maybe she's coming. And yeah. it, honestly, it was a great vibe. It was a great like feeling of uh, like this looming horror that I think we both enjoy in like like spooky or horror content. Yeah, and, I, and the other thing they did really well with that set's release, to your point, they, they had just wrapped up on Zendikar where they were killing, like, well, not killing, but defeating the um, the other two Titans, the Eldrazi Titans. Emrakul didn't show up in that set. And then mm-hmm. we're moving, we move on from Zendikar. Everybody celebrates, you know, Zendikar was successfully saved or whatever. And we move on and we go to Innistrad and everybody kind of forgets, at players anyway, kind of forget that like, okay, yeah, the Eldrazi thing and in Magic's history, Eldrazi have really only been on Zendikar. Um, yeah. Then we moved to Innistrad and, and we're like, okay, spooky stuff. Like we're, we're doing Innistrad. And then you start to get some of those little hints and you're like, oh crap. That's right. Emrakul didn't show up in the last set. Is she going to like, are we about to see her on Innistrad? Like what's going on? And then they also hadn't spoiled the name of the set yet for Eldritch Moon mm. until like Shadows was out. So we didn't even know what the next set was going to be called. We just knew it was also on Innistrad. So it was all these things kind of played together for a really fun and exciting and uh, inter- yeah, like an interesting experience for, for a set coming out. And we haven't really had that since. My top one, it's actually more gameplay based than aesthetics based. I love Midnight Hunt. I adore the white decks in Midnight Hunt, and I think I'm seeing a bit of a pattern. Uh, I tend to really enjoy a set, and I tend to be pretty good at a set when white aggro is good, or, or when some sort of like white card advantage-based deck is is good, like a card advantage aggro deck. This goes for like uh, Zendikar Rising, too, and I'm seeing it now with DMU. But Midnight Hunt, I love the, uh, like the Disturb mechanic, and uh, I love Search Party Captain. I love Adeline. Um, just all these cards, it really makes a, a fun set for me. I, I think I, I've expanded on my ideas since last week. I think I might try to make like a, almost like a block cube or like maybe even just an overall Innistrad themed cube. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start brainstorming it, but I'm glad I got that box in the end because now I, I picked up a lot of good pieces that that W7 would probably go in the cube. So runners up for favorite spooky set, Eldritch Moon, original Innistrad, I guess, Though, again, didn't really have a ton of experience with uh, original Innistrad. Pretty much any of the Shadows uh, or uh, Innistrad sets, any any sets that take place in Innistrad. And then, like I mentioned, um, some of the Phyrexian stuff that's got like some of the body harder element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked Vow a good bit more than most people. And Shadows was one of the sets that I remember originally playing when I was first getting into Limited. Uh, just getting crushed over and over again in uh, <laughs> at the at the Rutgers Magic Club by, um, you know, GP grinders that, that would go there in college. And uh, I, I think I could probably hold my weight there now, but I'm not going to be that guy and go back and pub stomp the college students. All right. Next up, favorite Halloween candy. <laughs> We've got a whole slew of different options here. I got to go with Snickers. Just 
hands down, I'll take a Snickers pack one, pick one over anything. My runner ups are up there too. They're all high picks. I'm a big fan of coconut. So like mounds and almond joy, uh, Milky way, I think is like a knockoff Snickers. It's like up there with it. Um, M&Ms, and I'd say Take 5 is up there for me, too. I like some good texture, uh, which is also why M&Ms are up there. I, li- I like a good crunch to the candy. Okay, before I answer this, let's let's deep dive a little bit. M&Ms, top three favorite kind, go. <sighs> See, they've come out with so many recently. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I am a just big fan of just classic dark chocolate M&Ms, just no bells and whistles, just straight up dark chocolate with some candy on the outside. Uh, I, I really like the fudge ones. Peanut ones are up there, but I, I actually... I think the mint ones would edge out the uh, the peanut ones. I've never had I like the mint a good ones. yeah, they're, they're pretty solid. I, I'm a fan of mint in in my chocolate, so uh, I'm also a mint chocolate chip ice cream kind of guy for like the two times a year I eat ice cream. When I you know I, I need a good stockpile of lactate pills before I can come <laughs> close to the stuff. You gotta try some of the new like non dairy <laughs> stuff. I've I've seen some of them are actually quite good. Mm. Um, yeah, I think for me, M&M wise, I'm going peanut butter M&Ms, then peanut M&Ms, then caramel M&Ms is my, my order. Oh, I forgot about the caramel ones. Yeah, those are solid. Uh, but for favorite Halloween candy, take five. It's not even close. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good choice. Um, okay. Snickers are pretty close as a runner up for me. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, then okay. anything made by Reese's, like if it's got peanut butter in it, it's for me. <laughs> By the way, uh, to the listener, you can roast this if you disagree with our takes. We're actually oh, pretty yeah. curious to hear uh, all of your inputs on all these as well. Consider this an open invitation. Any of these that you want to talk about, just let us know in the Discord random section. And uh, we'll be happy to discourse about uh, why your taste in Halloween candy is trash compared to ours. Unless you agree with us, in which case your taste is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, this is actually inspired by a listener question. So Wolverine asked in the Discord, what is your favorite Halloween costume you've ever worn and why? And he also mentioned he wouldn't mind opening this up to everyone. So we've already gotten some fun responses in there. Uh, But I thought it'd be fun to answer this one on the show instead of the Discord. So uh, my favorite of all time, it's a bit of an insight into my psyche. I think for probably like four or five years when I was like a a little kid, I went as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I always thought he was the coolest fictional character. I always wanted to look like Obi-Wan Kenobi when I was older. And to be honest, you kind of pulled it off. I kind of got there. (laughs) I got the hair, the beard. We we did get there. Episode three, Obi-Wan. Yeah, you kind of got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, other favorite costumes. I'm going as Steve Zissou this year from Life Aquatic. uh, Nice Wes Anderson film. Because the fit is just so fire. It is just so good. It's like a blue jumpsuit type thing with like a red beanie. Uh, If you look it up, you can see like... Bill Murray and and the, all those other actors in the movie wearing it. it it's awesome. And uh, it's going to be a good fit to like go out and, and do stuff in. Cool. Um, you know, I don't really remember ever doing like real Halloween costumes. I'm sure I did at some point. And I'll, I'll, I'll give an instance where I know I did. But for the most part, when I was a kid growing up, Halloween for me was like grab anything that kind of remotely made me look like a ninja or whatever around the house and just like piece something together. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of like store-bought costumes or even homemade costumes that represented actual characters. Uh, I tended to just like, yeah, like wrap myself in dark clothing and go out, which is kind of weird. But (laughs) Um, when I was a little, little kid, like four, maybe even younger than that, I would not take off a like Woody costume, Woody from Toy Story. Mm. I literally wore it for multiple days straight without taking it <laughs> off. Bed, everything. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. And even as an adult, I don't really do things for Halloween. Like I mentioned, I, I typically uh, don't, don't really, don't really do that. Fair enough. Well, the thing is that when you're an adult, you can just go buy Halloween candy and, and exactly <laughs> getting it handed out to you uh, loses some of the appeal. I have a few runner ups here. Uh, in high school, uh, I actually I made an entire costume out of duct tape and cardboard uh, through like a tutorial that I found online. I had like a duct tape phase. Didn't we? All? I don't know if you do you ever this one. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I was Gordon Freeman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was sick. Um, I mostly wore it for the the band events. We had like a Halloween band parade, but I made a full Gordon Freeman like HEV suit out of duct tape, and it was honestly sick. It was one of the well coolest done. things yeah. I've made. Um, another one uh, that, that going back in college, some friends and I we did like the Greek gods themed, and uh, I I was uh, I was Poseidon, of course. We had the flowing hair, the ocean theme. Uh, my friends all looked awesome. Um, everyone had like nice togas and things like that. So you can imagine what we did with those. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so next up is our favorite fall food and or dessert. 
Um, for me, it's butternut squash ravioli. I make an excellent homemade butternut squash ravioli. I actually made it last week. Homemade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Everything from scratch. The pasta, the the filling. I do it I do it with a uh, sage brown butter sauce and Ooh. chicken and apple sausage. I don't make the, the sausage myself. One day I will do that, but I don't have the means to mm. do that. at the, um, But I made it a, a week or two ago, maybe two weeks ago now, right after we had Sirkovitz on and he was talking about pasta in the sign-off. I was like, I got to go make my ravioli now. Um, yeah, we'll have to tell him that you've uh, been living the dream. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I'd say for runners-up for me, for for fall foods, it would be my chili. I make a really good homemade chili. And um, I tend to, I, I don't eat soups really. Like I'm not a big soup fan, but I could go, I can really go for a good chowder in the fall. <laughs> like something a little bit hearty, thick with like a, a nice fresh piece of bread to just like mop up all the extra stuff with. That's, that's my jam. <laughs> all right. My top has got to be butternut squash soup. So we're both on the butternut squash fan. The good taste here. Now, sure. You can just go to Panera and get this. And honestly, the Panera stuff it's it's gold. It, it's it's like liquid gold. It is fantastic. Um, it's probably more butter than butternut <laughs> squash, but it, it's really good. Uh, I did try making it myself. I've tried twice now this season. Uh, much more success the second time because the first time I made it, it called for a shallot and I didn't have a shallot. So I substituted onion powder and that didn't go great. <laughs> the second time worked out much nicer. Um, and and uh, I usually serve that with like some not homemade sausage and, and apples on the side. So um, my runner-ups, though, this is kind of a funny, but I, I included desserts on here. I'm not a huge pie person. I am a big soup person, uh, but I, I will always go out of my way for soup. But uh, as far as like fall desserts go, growing up, my dad would always get these spiced wafers. They come in this like orange mm-hmm. box. The black um, text. Yeah, I totally know. What you're talking yeah, about. yeah. It, it, they're akin to like biting into stale cardboard. If cardboard could be well, they're, they're gingerbread Listen, cookies, aren't they? Yeah, I think they're like ginger, ginger based. Yeah, they're um, they're very spiced. And I think I got Stockholm syndromed into liking them because <laughs> I don't think if you give one to the average person, they're going to go, oh, this is awesome. I think the average person is going to go, oh, I can, you know, do wall repairs with this. Right. Dude, but I, totally I really good. like them. I agree with you, though. I, I think I was in the same boat. That was something my parents bought a lot growing up. Um, I actually remember, and I, it's been, it's been a long, long time since I've had one of these. Mm-hmm. I remember really enjoying the taste, but you need to like have teeth of steel to get through them. <laughs> you, you almost want to like pre grind them up before you eat yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. You've got to like dip them in milk for sure. Or maybe a yeah. hot cider. <laughs> yeah. I would also say that, um, any of the pumpkin spice Oreo variants, whether you get them from Trader Joe's or Acme, whatever other like side knockoff, but the original ones are good too. And one of my favorites that I've meant to recreate for a long time, uh, it, I, I got it first at a, I think it was like a corn maze. It was just a bowl of a cut up apple with a bunch of caramel drizzle on top. And it sounds very basic, but just hot caramel and apple. It was awesome. And if you want like a simple, easy fall dessert, just it's not healthy, but just do it. I mean, that's like a deconstructed caramel apple, which sounds like the better way to eat a caramel <laughs> apple because those are always a mess. A much higher caramel to apple ratio, which is probably for the best. (laughs) Next up, we've got our favorite. Now, I included our favorite fall drink, but then I saw what we both said here. And I also want to talk about our favorite fall scents at the same time, because I think there's some overlap. So let's start with drink and then move into scent. Perfect. Uh, So for me, coffee, I think this is cheating. And the real answer for me is anything that's hot. (laughs) <laughs> mm. um, because as soon as the temperature drops below like 65 degrees Fahrenheit, I'm like, I need hot drinks all the time. Um, mm. but there's nothing like walking past or in. And I think this comes to your, your point about sense. Something about colder weather for me makes the sense of smell like more potent. I don't know what that, what the deal, if there's anything scientific behind that or what, or if it's just me, but like walking past a coffee shop in the fall compared to walking past one in the summer, two very different experiences, even if it's the same shop and going into a coffee shop, in the fall, getting a nice hot cup of coffee and just sitting there and like taking the atmosphere is phenomenal. One of my favorite things. to do. You know, there actually is a little bit of science to this because temperature is just like the average speed of the particles leaving mm. the thing. Uh, so like but when when you smell something, uh, I mean, it's you're more likely to smell more of it if the thing is hotter. So I guess also in the colder months, just now this is some loose science, here, <laughs> but I would assume the average speed of air particles is slower. Sure. So I would think that the random path would be longer for hot things. I, I'm not a statistician. If only we knew one, we could ask him. <laughs> but uh, 
I, I would assume that the random path that hot uh, smells would take would go further. So I, I want to say stuff is more smelly in the cold. Hot stuff is more yeah. smelly in the cold. But I don't know. Maybe there's some actual research on this. I'm just going off of, well, an astrophysics degree or two. So. <laughs> or two. <laughs> what a jerk. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I but but that really is like one of my favorite things to do in the fall. I, I really just can't beat sitting in a coffee shop, especially with like fresh, if they're like grinding fresh beans on site and stuff. Oh, it's the best. I would probably go with cider, just homemade apple cider, whether it's fresh from like a, uh, a farmer's market or like a pumpkin picking place, or uh, I actually make some homemade cider myself every year and it's, I've gotten pretty decent at it. Uh, mold with like wine and whiskey or otherwise, um, get some cinnamon in there, uh, get some orange in there. Uh, it's all awesome. Now the runner ups here, I, I have store-bought because store-bought cider still pretty solid. Um, I like a good hot toddy, uh, or anything pumpkin spice. Yes, I am basic. I will, I will admit to right now, uh, and Zach can confirm I have a 32 ounce Yeti, uh, and it is full to the brim, or at least it was of uh, pumpkin spice tea, with pumpkin spice creamer in it. Wow. And I am not ashamed to admit it because I'm, I'm just a big fan of pumpkin spice. Yeah. You know, I'll agree. Apple cider, not the pumpkin spice thing. Uh, apple cider <laughs> is, is pretty great. I definitely enjoy a good apple cider. I've never really made it myself. Maybe that's something I should give a go or I should just start buying yours. <laughs> I can send you a recipe. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fun. It's a process. Yeah. It takes a while, but I will say, it's worth it. I will say though, and, and I, I put this in our notes, but it's not real. It was something I hesitated to put in the notes because I'm a big mulled wine fan. And in terms of mm. alcoholic beverages, whiskey's my go-to and whiskey's a great drink in the winter fall like colder months as well because it just warm, mm -hmm. it warms you up from the inside out basically but um i like mulled wine in the winter like when it's snowing and that kind of thing mulled mm -hmm. wine is like the bomb really really good now i should put a little asterisk on my pumpkin spice soapbox uh i don't actually like pumpkin spice lattes like just a classic starbucks pumpkin spice latte not a very big fan um all right all right for, I, I can't tell you why i have no good reason i tried <laughs> you you've recovered a little bit of respect for me no i'm just kidding yeah. there's nothing wrong with pumpkin spice um <laughs> but as it pertains to scents all right so we talked about drinks mm. right let's let's talk about the scents a little bit i did mention the coffee smell in general but that's also just one of my favorite smells to begin with um in terms of fall I really appreciate the smell of, well, and this is one that I tend to like all year, but particularly in the fall, like campfires, mm -hmm. just yeah. absolutely one of the best. I have a, a, a marshmallow fireside candle in my bathroom Oh, and it smells exactly like roasting marshmallows on a campfire. It's, Oh, incredible. I got to find that. Yeah. I got to know what brand that is. That sounds great. Funny enough. Um, I, I feel like sometimes the pumpkin spice candles are hit or miss because sometimes the spice blend is off and one thing is too dominant. Um, getting a candle right is hard. Although uh, I will say right now uh, I have a candle going and it's, uh, it's pretty gnarly actually. You'll be able to see it's made from an old beer can. This is actually made by a friend of mine uh, and she like home makes candles. Uh, this one is hot toddy scented. So it's, it's spicy. There's like a, I think a little bit of some sort of, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what kind of black magic you have to do to make a candle at home, but <laughs> she has like a whole like company that, that she makes candles from. And uh, this one, it, it has that nice warming like smell to it, but it's also a bit like light and, and fruity from like the, the tea aspect of it. Um, I, I think apple is just like a good classic scent. You can't really go too wrong with uh, like apple, but I think spices are where it really comes in. Anything um, like a good spice blend, not where one thing is too dominant. That, that's probably my favorite scent. Yeah. Okay. I can get behind that. Next up, our favorite horror movies. <laughs> For me, The Babadook, hands down my favorite. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it. Dude. I've heard awesome things, but I've heard it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's really good. It was the first horror film, and the reason it's my favorite is the first horror film I saw that was story driven and not jump scare driven, mm. and that was what that like opened my eyes to like, whoa, horror films can be good movies. Like. Yeah. And yeah. be scary instead of just being like, here's a bunch of random jump scares we threw in front of a camera. <laughs> oh, I, I cannot stand just so I, I almost don't really see one of those like types of like, I don't know, blockbuster horror movies. That's that's just going for the scare because um, that's just like a human reaction. If that's what like you enjoy, that's what you love, then sure. One hundred percent. You're getting plenty of content for it. Uh, go live your life. But I, I do really appreciate the. Uh, the more driven 
and and narrative based. And I want to say like the movies that inspire like a guttural sense of unease, kind of what we were talking about with Shadows Over Innistrad, that that looming feeling. Uh, I think probably the best thing to epitomize this is Midsommar. Um, where there's a particular scene involving a cliff, those that have seen it know it, where there's like a two minute buildup and you know in your gut what's about to happen and you're wishing it's not going to happen, but you know it's going to happen. And I think I look for movies with that sense of um, dread. Yeah, well, that's why I like the Babadook so much is the villain in the movie or like the, the scary monster is something that I think anybody watching the movie can relate to. When we see a lot of these other horror films that revolve around like, I don't know, Michael Myers or something. Not that those are bad movies. I think they're great. They're great horror films too in their own right, but like they're not relatable. You know, it's just like, mm. they're just things that don't actually happen in real life. And some horror films looking at you, Jordan Peele, absolutely nail the, this is relatable. And this hits me in a, on the fear level in like ways yeah. that I never thought a movie could do. <laughs> Jordan Peele is, is, one of my favorite directors at the moment. Um, nope incredible. is my favorite. Actually, Nope is my top uh, favorite horror movie right now. I I think it's perfect. Uh, I absolutely adore it. Did you see it, Nope yet? I haven't seen Nope and I haven't seen Us yet either. I've really only seen Get Out, but I've seen reviews of <laughs> the others and know enough to know that Jordan Peele is absolutely killing it. with this. Next time we hang out, we got to watch Nope. Um, I, I, liked, um, I liked Us a good amount, but it wasn't as good as get out or nope i actually think nope is better than get out which might be a hot take but i think nope is flawless and i think get out has uh, maybe had some pacing stuff i don't know get out is also really really good but um i also put shining i kind of tied uh as another one of my top favorites shining is fantastic and uh honestly some of the scariest parts about that are like the production um and then things that went on behind the scenes it was kind of messed up um there, there was some real psychological trauma in there and uh i as unfortunate as that is, uh, you know, there's a real movie that came out of it and that movie is pretty gut churning. Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, yeah, we mentioned get out. It was another one that the remake of it, I think was, was a pretty well done horror film, even though it wasn't mm. really falling into that. Like I can relate to this monster kind of vibe. I mean, it was, it was a well, well done movie. Their acting was fantastic. They picked phenomenal child actors for that movie. Um, that's rare yeah. yeah all of them were were exceptional and then i would also say arguably a quiet place and the reason i say arguably is because technically i've seen it listed as a thriller and i actually took mm. this this is like a segue to i'll let you give your runner-ups and then i want to kind of circle back to this because this is a fun topic for me but mm -hmm. um i really like the quiet place for a lot of reasons <laughs> mostly because i like i like um unconventional cinema and mm. a quiet place is one of the f closest movies we've had in a long time to a dialogue less film and it that's true really it, well. it did some interesting things i think I, I i enjoyed a quiet place i think i'm a little lower on it than than you it sounds like um john krasinski is that his name yep. uh i'm not the biggest fan of his acting but it, it was serviceable you know um it, it didn't ruin the movie or anything um what, what got me was that there was that that kid in the movie oh man that that yep. the starting off just Come on, dude. Yeah, kid's an I, idiot. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, um, some other runner-ups. I mentioned Midsommar, um, another movie by by the same director, Aster. Uh, Hereditary. Hereditary has the title of the only movie I've ever wanted to stop watching partway through for any reason. Um, I just I, I was watching with a friend. I was like, I do not want any more of this right now. This is <laughs> this is absurd. How much this is freaking me out, uh, which is a great experience. And I, I love that it did that to me in, in hindsight. And I wouldn't trade that experience away. And I'm glad I kept watching because the ending is fantastic. Great payoff. Um, Haunting of Hill House. Really enjoyed it. Um, again, strong dialogue, well-written characters, interesting story and relationships, lots of hidden ghosts that makes rewatching it kind of fun. Uh, I haven't watched Bly Manor yet, but I heard pretty solid things about that, too. Uh, the Lighthouse is up there for me. Maybe a little more unconventional. Um, Robert Eggers. I meant to watch The, the Witch. Um, that's on my, my watch list. And my last runner-up, I don't know if Eraserhead counts, uh, but I'm a big David Lynch fan. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. But I uh, love Twin Peaks anyway. Uh, Eraserhead, I, I would want to... I, I think it's a horror movie. The only other genre I can like insert it into is like Nightmare because it is kind of like watching a person's nightmare on a screen. Uh, I, I really enjoyed Eraserhead, and I think that kind of surrealist, bizarre horror uh, with, a, I guess, a purpose and a point that isn't as obtuse as some people would make out David Lynch stuff to be. I think it's, it's he's pretty clear. He has a point, and uh, he just 
never tells you what it is explicitly. Uh, I, I would say Eraserhead falls in that same camp of like well-intentioned horror movies. Yeah, I will say Eraserhead is categorized as a surrealist horror. So it definitely. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, But so the one thing I wanted to circle back to is when I was in college. So the listener may not know this. I I am in I'm currently a a DevOps engineer. I am in software, you know, that sort of thing. I have a computer science degree. But there were two sort of alternate realities that could have happened and were very, very close to happening. One was that I became a psychologist and went into study like research and studying the brain. Um, one of my, one of my other passions. And then the other was that I went into cinema. And so I actually took some cinema classes in college. Uh, one of which was entire, an entire semester focused on horror movies and, and like what goes into making a horror film, a horror film and breaking down the different aspects of different horror films and such. And then we had to watch a bunch of them and, you know, do all the, those sorts of things that you do kind of with a book in a literary class. Um, one thing we learned in that class though, was that, that horror as a genre is only delineated from a thriller in that the motivation behind the character's actions comes from an external or an internal source. So if it's an external source, Hmm. it's a horror film. If it's an internal source, it's a thriller or vice versa. I can never remember which is which, Hmm. um, whatever's driving the character's actions. So that sounds about right. Yeah. Cause like a thriller, maybe they have an internal motivation to like, I don't know, save their kidnapped daughter. I don't know why I jumped to like a Liam Neeson movie, but, uh, and then like a, a, a horror movie would be, there's this thing chasing me and I got to get away from it. Right. Exactly. Is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know just throwing that out there, but one of the things we had to do in that class that I thought was super, super fun. And I encourage folks to try to like, if you're really into movies or cinema or TV shows or whatever, this is a really fun exercise. Um, and it harkens back to something I did in high school. Uh, and I love looking at different aspects of movies and films and stuff and what makes them film a film. Um, in any case, in this college class we took, we had to, we had we were tasked with either making our own trailer for a horror film or taking a trailer that already exists for a non-horror film and making it into a horror trailer. This rings a bell. So we did my this. my uh, buddies in college and I took the movie Tag, which if you have ever heard of or seen is a comedy. <laughs> and we made a trailer out of clips from Tag for a horror film. It was really fun. Yeah, I remember that. So, uh this is a fun little category. What's your favorite thing to do with a pumpkin? <laughs> uh yeah, I guess throw it at thing, chuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Pumpkin chunking is a, a very valid response. Yeah, because I, I, I'm not a big fan of carving pumpkins. Well, it's like a big part of the aesthetic. I find that when you carve a pumpkin, it just like rots really quickly. Yep, yep. rots really quickly. They're also like, I mean, I'm not an artist, so maybe I'm just bad at it. But like, it's a lot harder to carve a good looking pumpkin than, than it looks, you know, like you see like some good ones. You're like, Oh, okay, I can do that. And then you're like, no, I can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. But then if you don't carve it and just leave it out, you can leave it like well into November and you know, it still aesthetically fits in November, uh, even though (laughs) try again, and it still aesthetically fits in November. Uh, especially if you didn't carve it, because if you carved it, then you, you know, it no longer kind of fits for like the Thanksgiving theme if you're in America at least. But, um, Nah, I, I don't. I don't know. So uh, I would say the only thing that I do like to do with the inside of a pumpkin, roasting the seeds. Big fan yep. of like the just roasted pumpkin seeds. Those are pretty good. Do you do anything with them, like cinnamon sugar, brown sugar, or something, or do you just roast yeah, them just like a, some some sugar and just eat them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> good stuff. Simple. I I don't mind pumpkin picking. I think it's a fun thing to do with friends. It's not something I would ever yeah. just go do by myself. And then you're like stuck with pumpkins, and you're like, what am I going to do with these things? But yeah. Um, it kind of segues into the next one, which is what is our favorite fall activity? Yeah. Pumpkin picking corn mazes are always great. Um, I, my, my biggest problem with corn mazes is at least the ones that I've been to in the last couple of years. I'm, I'm a puzzle person. Like I love puzzles. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's part of the reason I have the job I have is just, I get to solve puzzles all day. Um, I solve corn mazes pretty quickly. <laughs> I haven't been able to find a big enough or complex enough one that like keeps me at it for like more than 25, 30 minutes. Well, I mean, you can always just hug a wall, right? I no, but even not doing that, like you can just cut through them pretty quick. I, I feel like they're just not that <laughs> yeah. complex anymore. If they ever were, I don't know. I would say corn maze is got to be my top pick uh, and it could be haunted or non-haunted. I, I do think the ones that are non-haunted that are actual mazes are, are fun for the puzzle aspect. I've been to some that are more like a, like a haunted corn pathway where you're not actually like solving a maze. It kind of just loops around in on itself and it's just one path, but there's like fun decorations and people in costumes that chase you and that, that type of thing that, that can be fun to do with friends. But any of those types of places that have, 
uh, like a corn maze or uh, pumpkin or apple picking on the side with hot cider and like food available. Um, just place to hang out with your friends. That type of thing is great. Um, just a fun, relaxing fall activity. Hiking is up there for me too, but uh, I think those those farms, they got me hooked, you know? Yeah, hiking's my number one. Absolutely love a good fall hike, especially with like the leaves changing colors and starting to fall. And uh, yeah, some of the best views ever happen mm-hmm. in the Northeast in the fall. Oh yeah, don't forget a uh, leaf crunching that's up there on fall that's activities. True. Yeah, that's a good Get one. some nice crunchy leaves up here. Last but not least, absolute number one top favorite thing about fall. Yeah, just the smells, honestly, kind of the, the mm. smells that we get, we went on before. Also just love the comfort slash like coziness of fall. Like, I don't know, something about it. And it, it, part of this happens with winter, but in the fall, you can at least go outside. In the winter, you just can't because it's freezing. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't want to at least. Right. Yeah. But like just being able to like throw on a nice sweater or sweatshirt or jacket or whatever and like yeah, the fashion's pretty great in terms of seasonal clothing, I guess. But um, just, yeah, just how cozy the, the season feels is is my favorite part about it. My number one has got to be my yearly over the garden wall viewing party that I do with some friends from, from Rutgers, uh, where it started, I think, in one of our dorms. I don't really remember how, but we just marathoned the whole entire thing of over the garden wall, which for those that don't know, is fall diluted into a show. Uh, it's light but also grim, but funny and quirky. And uh, it's it's honestly perfect. There's not a single thing I would change. And the best part is that it's a whole show, but you can watch it in under two hours. And uh, just my friends from, from school and I, we just get together. Everyone brings or makes something. I usually make my cider for this. Um, and it's kind of like a big thanksgiving feast. Now, the show is Halloween-related, and I don't really want to say why for those that haven't seen it. Um, it's a bit of a spoiler of, of a certain episode. Those that have seen it know what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, go go out there, grab your friend Jason Funderburker, and go, go watch this show. It's fantastic. Uh, my runner-ups, I've got to say, uh, the fall fashion is up there. I love a good, uh, good scarf. I just got a new jacket. It's pretty fun. Uh, I have, like, a nice pea coat that I like to bust out, too. And, uh, you know, Chelsea boot season. It's in right now. That's all I'll say. Uh, also, excessive numbers of candles. You know, I, I just have too many candles and it's time to start burning them all down. Oh, that does it for us this week. Thanks so much for listening. Again, if you're not already in it, check out the Discord and let us know your answers to a lot of these topics. We'd love to hear some discourse about all these different things. Why do you like fall? Why do you hate fall? What are your favorite <laughs> things about Halloween? What do you not like? Do you agree or disagree with our candy choices? Uh, you know, all of these things. <laughs> We'd love to hear about it in the Discord. Check that out. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge thanks to everybody who continues to support us there. And uh, we'll catch you next Speaking of catching things, do you think the mic caught that I was just like choking on my tea? Oh, yeah, totally did. But I we're on separate <laughs> oh, tracks, no. so I'll just silence it out. It won't interrupt what I think <laughs> I'm still coughing from it. Leave this part in, though. This is the sign-off, so it's allowed. Um, one last thing before we go. Are you caught up on Andor? I haven't started it yet. I know, I know, I know. I, uh, oh, I know. boo. I'm, I'm okay, so one last... Re- <coughs> Jeez, I'm dying. Okay. One last rec for people out there before I dive too much pumpkin spice tea. Um, if you're a Star Wars fan, I genuinely think this is some of the best Star Wars content ever made. Possibly the most competently created Star Wars content ever made. Just full stop. Uh, I, I, I put it in the very elite category of it's up there with like Gendy Tartakovsky's pro- uh uh, Clone Wars, I almost said Primal, also by him, uh, but like his old Clone Wars, um, just fantastic stuff. Um, highly recommend it. It will blow your mind for a few reasons. It's just genuinely very good. And also Star Wars, us diehard Star Wars fans know that it doesn't always get the best uh, anything like <laughs> character development or plots or movies. <laughs> so when you see this show and it is written well, and there's realistic dialogue and there's characters with motivations and arcs and like they got a scars guard to act in this thing. So like, you know, it's going to be a banger. Um, highly recommend. Uh, it's over now. There's only six episodes. I, I got through it all in, in a few weeks and um, it's it's really good. Was it set up for like a season two or is this just a one season and done kind of thing? It is a bit set up for season two, but it could also end here. Uh, it would leave some open questions about certain characters and, and where they're headed. Cool. Um, 
I, I foresee more in the future. This is probably like a test run to see if people liked it. And honestly, I've seen nothing but rave reviews about it. So I hope we get more. Yeah. On that front, before we go, have you seen Lord of the Rings or the Rings of Power? No, I haven't right. started that one. All right. So we were, we were watching, <laughs> we each picked a nerd show. I don't think either of us had had time to watch the new Game of Thrones though, right? Oh yeah, I've been watching or, that too. Oh, okay, man. I've been hearing really good things about that one. Yes, it's quite good. It is different in good ways from Game of Thrones. It's, um, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of time jumps. I'll throw that, I'll throw that out there. A lot of time jumps. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that's not over yet. The season ends Sunday. Um, so by the time this releases, it'll be over, but um, yeah, the, the rings of power season just ended as well. So hmm. a lot of, not a solid nerd shows out there this time of year, then something to watch while we're all sipping on pumpkin spice or otherwise. 